I wonder if you have ever been in the back of an ambulance before. If you have, you'll know that you're rarely there for a good reason. Uh, I have one time, and it's certainly a place where I hope not to be again anytime soon. The reason why I was there, well, it was a suspected heart attack. But after uh, six hours of really the, the best medical care that I could have hoped for down at the Alfred... I was given the all clear by the medical staff. There was absolutely nothing wrong with my heart. Uh, but that doesn't mean that everything was okay. As I said, you, you, you don't find yourself in the back of an ambulance when, when everything's going okay. Instead, the, the doctors had a different diagnosis for me. What I thought was a, a heart attack was actually my body saying, I've had enough. I was, what the doctors said, burnt out from being under pressure from the demands of of work for far too long. Now, I share that story not because it is um, unique in in some way. On the contrary, it's an incredibly common experience and story in Australia today. We have the rather unenviable title of being known as one of the burnout capitals of the world here in Australia. A very um, recent and and public example of that was the the legal case between the federal politician Monique Ryan and her former staffer Sally Rugg. I don't know if you followed that earlier this year. Sally uh, Rugg taking uh, Monique Ryan to court alleging breaches of the Fair Work Act, claiming that she was being forced to work upwards of 80 hours every week. Now, the case, uh, if you followed it at all, was... It was eventually settled out of court, but in the, in the weeks following, there was a lot of um, public discussion and commentary again about burnout and excessive work hours. And in uh, one interview, Sally Rugg put it like this. She said, Australia is among the burnout capitals of the world. There are about 4 million of us who are working more than 45 hours a week, 2 million more than 50 hours a week, and a million who are working more than 60 hours a week. There's a huge segment of the population working really long hours and it's been completely normalised to the point where it doesn't really raise an eyebrow. Now, this normalising of excessive work hours raises for me at least two questions. Firstly, why are we working so hard that so many of us are burning out? And the second question is, what, what do we do about it? What, what is the solution? Well, let me begin to answer those questions by, by making them personal. Why was I working so hard that I burnt out? Um, in the years since, that is a question that I have reflected on quite a bit, uh, in large part because I don't want it to ever happen again for me. And the short answer to that question for me is that it wasn't one single Thing. It, was a, it was a combination of things, things that were both external to me and also internal. What I mean by that, that is that on the one hand, there were these external pressures and demands that were being placed on me by, by forces, by people, by things outside of me. Uh, so I think when we think about why do we burn out, why are we working so hard, we usually jump straight to the external It's the demanding employer putting all of the pressure on the employee. That was certainly the case in that that trial of of Sally Rugg and Monique Ryan. 
And obviously that is a very significant reason for why many of us feel so weighed down and burdened. But there are, of course, other external factors that contribute to it as well too. There might be the, the excessive demands of the workplace combined with things like the rising cost of living. And even in the news again today, the talk that there's sure to be another interest rate rise next week. And, and so there's these pressures combining together and the I can't say no. There's the, the demands of the workplace perhaps combined with the, the mental load that many of us might be feeling still in the wake of the, the COVID years. So there's, there's various external pressures, things that have been applied to us that put us under this enormous, enormous pressure that means we're working so hard. But I think to say that I or really any of us burn out only because of those external demands and pressures put on us, I think misses a big chunk of the reason as to why. It certainly misses a big chunk of the reason of why I burnt out. So what was the, the pressure that I was putting myself under that contributed to it? Well, again, it wasn't just a single thing, but certainly a, a big one was this. I cared an enormous amount about what other people thought of me, which meant that I would both push myself extraordinarily hard in order to win the, the applause and the approval of others. And when the, the overwhelm was becoming too much for me, well, I wouldn't be able to admit that to anyone because that also would contribute to the impression that other people had of me. You see, I look around and see all these other incredibly successful people around me, people that you know I aspire to be like and have the same reputation and acclaim and applause that they would have. And these people would be taking on more and more and more in their work life and they, they coped with it, or at least they, they appeared to cope with it. And so I'd say to myself, well, why can't I just suck it up and power on, press on? But herein, I think, lies the, the great myth of the solution that's so frequently given to the, the overwhelm of work, the great myth of resilience. Now, resilience, as you know, is uh, talk about it is, is everywhere these days. I was speaking to someone a week ago saying I'm giving some talks about resilience and he audibly groaned. I am so sick of hearing about resilience. And so uh, if you are... Then, uh, then you're not alone. Um, businesses, of course, are putting it in their mission statements. Uh, educational institutions offer training in resilience now. And um, just about every pop psychologist out there has done a, a TED talk on uh, how to build resilience. And uh, when these corporate leaders or um, educators talk about resilience and being more resilient, they're, they're usually talking about being more durable under, under pressure. And that when setbacks uh, inevitably do hit you, you, you bounce back quickly. Uh, there was a one-hit wonder of the 90s that I think summed it up perfectly. Depending on your age here, you'll, you'll know this or not, but you remember the lyrics, I get knocked down, I get back up again, you're never going to keep me down. That is the, the message of resilience. Now, interestingly, resilience, or at least the, the form of resilience that's... Uh, commonly spoken about today is, it's a very modern phenomenon. 
Uh, the people who, who study the, the use of language in culture say that between the years of 2000 and 2020, there was a five-fold increase in the usage of the word in, in cultures like ours, which makes you ask, of course, why? Well, depending on how cynical you are, and I'm of the cynical kind, um, it's no accident that there's been this surge in talking about resilience over the last 20 years. Late last year, there was this fascinating book that was um, published by uh, one of the UK's leading commentators on, on the workplace, Bruce Daisley. Fortitude, the Myth of Resilience and the Secrets of Inner Strength was the title. And in that book, he, he described how our culture tells stories that are redemption of resilience stories. The plot line is redemption of resilience. So our culture loves stories about the, the sports person who, who overcomes adversity or the, the war victim who, who rises from the ashes or the uh, housing commission kid who goes on to become the Prime Minister of Australia. These stories where I get knocked down but I get back up again. And our culture loves those stories and we tell those stories. But in all of those stories, those plot lines, Daisy makes this point. Who in that story is the one who is responsible for the resilience? Well, it's you. And, and so if you don't have that kind of resilience, well, who's to blame? Well, it's you again, isn't it, of course? But here's where I think it gets um, quite interesting. Daisy quotes in that book research from a leading Australian psychologist, Professor Alex Haslam. Uh, he's based up in in Queensland, if you want to look into him at all. And he believes that there was a particular trigger around the turn of the century which led to this surge in talking about resilience. See, in the early 2000s, there was an increasing awareness of just how damaging workplace culture could be for employees. Rising levels of stress, poor health being reported, and employers were coming under increasing pressure to fix up this mess that they were responsible for. And so what did they do about it? Well, Professor Haslam concludes that businesses did a brilliant job of shifting responsibility from the so-called manufacturer to the consumer, shifting responsibility from the employer to the employee. Um, He writes this. One way they did that was by saying, "Okay, we've had enough of talking about this bad stuff. So let's start looking on the positive side and talking about resilience. The result was really to take the spotlight off organisations and to focus on the people and effectively have a psychological analysis which said the real problem here is that people aren't resilient enough. The real problem here is not the workplace culture, it's you. And so as Daisy summarises, this individualistic concept of resilience is now big business. And don't we know that? Uh, Who hasn't been offered training, uh, a workplace event around resilience? And that right there, I think, is the myth. It is your individual responsibility to get resilience. You don't have enough of it? Well, do stuff to, to build it. Do more exercise, eat healthier, get longer hours of sleep, meditate, have more social lunches with colleagues. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, There's one young doctor who puts it like this. You can make worrying about your resilience a full-time job 
except you already have a full-time job. And so you become enormously busy with building this resilience. It's your responsibility. The, the solution to your problems is it's with you. It's, it's your responsibility. It lies within you. You get knocked down, well, it's your job to get yourself back up again. Suck it up and power on. This is the, the myth of resilience. That the very antidote, solution to our overwhelm and busyness only is making us feel more stressed out and burdened and busy with another thing I've got to do now. You know, I, I think about that and I just sort of think there's got to be a, a better way, doesn't there? It, it, it's clearly not working for us, is it? This enormous burden and pressure that we put on ourselves to, to deal with, to deal with the burdens of life. And, and I, I'm actually convinced that there is a better, better way. There is, a, there is a way that we can actually outsource this responsibility, this burden, this weight we feel under to something or someone else. But it raises a question, you know, who, who out there, what out there might care enough about me to take on the responsibility of my overwhelm, my, my burden? Who, who out there would be willing to, to be responsible for the fact that, you know, I can't be everything to everyone. I, I can't impress everyone. I can't satisfy everyone. I'm going to let people down. I can't cope with it all. I, I can't get back up again and I am exhausted from trying. Who, who, who would care enough that I could trust that responsibility to, and not just trust it to, they wouldn't then use it against me. That's the risk. Well, for me, I, I have found someone who I believe I can entrust that responsibility to, the one who said these words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are words that were spoken by Jesus around about 2,000 years ago to a group of people who were in many ways like, like you and I. A, a people who felt very much weighed down by burdens. Burdens that had been put on them by others. Weighed down by this pressure to, to prove themselves and win the approval of others. The, the original audience here that Jesus was speaking to were part of a, a society that, that measured status not so much by your, your work accomplishments, but your religious accomplishments. And the burden rested on you to perform. And they were just exhausted from, from trying. Enter Jesus with these, these life-giving, these refreshing, these liberating, freeing words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What an offer that he extends there. The, the very words themselves just begin to lift a bit of a, a weight off my shoulders. But what about that question that I, that I just posed a moment ago? Is Jesus someone who is safe? Can I, can I trust him 
with my vulnerability and weaknesses? Or will he use it against me as other people I fear might? Will he demand something of me? Will he demand that I perform to, to impress him? Well, I can speak more for myself personally here. I have found him to be entirely safe to entrust my vulnerabilities to. And no, he has, he has never demanded anything of me in return. When I burned out, I, I took um, quite a number of steps in order to recover. And as I said, to, to set places, to set changes in place to ensure that it didn't happen again. Things like doing more exercise, trying to eat healthier, getting, getting longer hours of sleep. And all of those things did and continue to help. So don't hear me being disparaging of those things. But alone, they didn't deal with the internal issue that I had, that, that need that I felt to, to perform for others, to impress others, to win the approval of others through my achievements, my accomplishments. They didn't deal with the sense that I felt that it was my responsibility to find the strength and the resilience to, to get through the challenges of life. I needed something or someone outside of myself that I could give those, those kind of weighty burdens to. Someone who I could give them to and they wouldn't demand anything from me in return, who I could trust with my whole life. And I found that in the one who said these words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What have I found just to unpack it a little bit more in coming to Jesus and giving him all of my burdens? Well, I found someone willing to take them. And not just the physical burdens that I feel because of the overwhelm and busyness of life, but burdens like those where I felt the burden to prove myself to others. Burdens about you know, guilt that I felt over mistakes in my past. Burdens of feeling you know, trapped in a life that's not going quite as I had hoped it might have at this point in time. Burdens to, to, to be everything to everyone and be who, I, be who they demanded that I be. Burdens even that I didn't feel I could share with anyone else, even those closest to me, even those I could hand over and entrust to him. It's those burdens that Jesus said to me, Andrew, come, come and give them to me. I'll take them and I'll give you rest. And not just physical rest. Do you see the word that Jesus uses there? Soul rest, a kind of rest that goes deeper than even just the, the physical, but right into the core of who we are, those, those weights those burdens that weigh us down, that, that we wake up at 3am and find ourselves mulling over. That soul rest, all of that burden he takes on himself. And so here's the invitation really to you this evening. Are you someone who feels weary? Are you someone who feels burdened? Are you, are you tired of feeling like you, you, know, you need to be something for someone else 
tired of feeling like I need to have some sort of status or reputation or a claim to, to be impressive to others. Tired of, you know, getting knocked down and then feeling the, the burden, the pressure to, to get yourself back up again. Is there a weight even perhaps that you feel weighs upon you in your life that you, you can't even share with anyone else? Well, here's the invitation. And it's not from me. It's from Jesus who offers this invitation. Come to me, he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. How, how do you, you come to Jesus? Well, really, the, the simplest way of coming to him is by opening up one of the biographies of Jesus that's been recorded and, and, and reading that biography and seeing for yourself, is he who I have claimed him to be? Safe. Someone who is able to take on all of my burdens and responsibilities on myself. So, so let me encourage you with this suggestion. If, if, if there's anything in those words of Jesus up there on the screen that, that makes you even remotely ask, could he? Could he be the, the answer to dealing with the burdens and the weightiness of life? Well, don't, don't, don't brush that niggling thought or feeling aside. Sit with it. And let me encourage you to do something about it. Craig will share a few details a little bit later about how you can actually explore more of who Jesus is in those biographies and, and see for yourself, is he who I have claimed him to be? But if you've, if you've never opened up a biography of Jesus as an adult, let me encourage you to. You might have come across one as a, as a child, but as an adult, have you ever opened up a biography of Jesus and explored those, those claims for yourself. As I said, Craig can share a little bit more about that in a moment. But that's the invitation there. And as I said, it's not an invitation from, from me. It's an invitation from Jesus. And it's out there. Come to me, he says. Come to me. If you're feeling weary and burdened, come to me. Because I want to give you rest. And so my hope is that you might find the kind of rest in Jesus that, that I and, and many others in this room have found as well too. Thanks.